Greetings, Earthlings. It is I, Andy, the Great Gazodian, Fuck. here with Ramblin' and Hamblin Podcast. The podcast which heads down to planet Earth to study the filmmaking rituals of Amblin Entertainment. <laughs> the production company founded by Steven Spielrock, Frank Marshall, and uh, Kathleen Peverly back in 1981 AD. I am joined as ever by my, co- with, <laughs> by my co-host, Rock Glenn. Hi, Rock. Um, well, you've annoyed me already. So that's <laughs> that Honestly, that was entirely designed to be like, what's going to irritate Josh the most? <laughs> I thought of my own rock-based name for this one as well, because okay, I was caught short last time. I've forgotten what it was now, because I'm so annoyed. <laughs> and please also extend a very warm welcome to two returning guests. You know them collectively as the hosts of W Rated the podcast that takes a look at the 100 rated, worst rated movies of all time, according to IMDb. We're delighted to have them back. It's Daisy Rockwoods and Claire Balderton. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. I love it. Was <laughs> um, I Balderton last time as well? I think so. I think yeah, so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You were very on it with your name last time as well. You could improvise in the moment. I guess it wasn't your first time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, we said it was about a year ago, and the difference a year makes because right now I can only remember my actual own name. <laughs> I feel like I've just been like baptized into. <laughs> I, I really tried hard to think of something that wasn't just uh, Rockwoods, but it really like I couldn't. Well, this think is of the thing because it's Edwards. <laughs> it's like just a different kind of material that doesn't really fit. Yeah. <laughs> just had to be different, didn't I? So. <laughs> Uh, a, there was a lot of these, particularly uh, Kathleen Peverly was really hard to uh, yeah. think of something for Kathleen Kennedy, and I think I, I think I'm pushing it a bit. With <laughs> I think that's a running theme with these films puns, anyway. So oh, yeah. they do they do go as far as they as they want to, and they can. The more eye roll, the better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, thank you very much both for coming back. And at the time of recording, uh, 
you you guys on your W rated podcast have just reached uh, your Yui Bowl, the end of your Yui Bowl Nanza summer. Um, so oh, I yes. did want to start off by just sending <laughs> my uh, my thoughts, my best wishes, because that must have been a tough time. Yeah. Daisy, <laughs> Daisy is now an Uwe Bowl stan. She loves the man. She is his number one hero. Well, like... yeah, I did. I, I, there was a moment. There was a moment in time. We were watching, we've just capped off the season um, with a bonus episode. We're watching um, the documentary called It's Raging Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, which for those who are unfamiliar or familiar with um, the uh, filmmakers, um, controversial um, rounds in the ring with mm. journalists that uh, were more than happy to fight him. Um, it did provide <laughs> a little bit of insight into the man that tugged on my heartstrings and kind of really pushed me to be potentially the world's most empathetic person that could find any kind of positivity in in anyone as soon as they put the waterworks on. Um, And then he said a slur, and then I changed my mind Uh, again. He took me on a roller coaster. (laughs) Yeah, he had me me in the first half. uh... For for whom the bowl tolls. So you're getting I'm obsessed with the amount now. of puns that are going on. <laughs> I gave I gave blood today and I'm feeling oh. very strange. <laughs> uh, we'll see it. We'll see how this goes. So it's just, this is just yeah, really, really cranked up the uh, the, <laughs> the the risk of a reward. <laughs> Which way is it gonna go? It's, it's always knows? one of us. Every episode, one of us is just giving <laughs> yeah, blood. That could be the shtick. One of us is giving blood today can you guess who <laughs> it's why we've had a three-month hiatus because it was it wasn't good for our health <laughs> we kept fainting there'll be one day though we both come in and we've both given blood what do we what is this what do we, what do, we do on this podcast <laughs> Uh, you are indeed both two returning guests. Claire, we had you on for our, our episode on the previous instalment in the live-action Flintstones universe. Or as I like <laughs> to call it, the only Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> and Daisy, we had you on way back in uh, in 1984, in Amblin years. Um, <laughs> you are our third ever guest. And since that time, Ooh. we have uh, brought in some new introductory guest questions. Mm-hmm. Clearly, we didn't have the format quite locked mm. down yet, but now we're there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Daisy Edwards, I'd like to offer you the floor to ask, what does Amblin mean to you? What do you think of when you hear the word Amblin? I don't know what it is. It's just Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. It's Sunday afternoon with the family, mainly my dad. My dad was really into films like we there was always you know the amount of times I go that film but oh yeah it reminds me of like my dad's side of the family my two little brothers on that side it's just one of those things where you're in the middle of the weekend and something comes on tv and you go oh god we just have to watch this even if it's halfway through it's just that big blanket of film coziness and I guess we just have Spielberg to thank for that. But there's just that running theme through all of those films. And I don't know if it was because of the period of time as well, where they were coming out my age, like um, my dad's influences on me because of the stuff in the 80s, etc. But you look at the films and you just go, yep, yep. It ticks, it ticks, it ticks. So actually, I really, really should 
get more up to speed with the ones that I haven't watched. Um, just to test you my can theory. Avoid <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll just go through the podcast and just be like, right, yep, that's a tip. That's a tip. That's a tip. <laughs> um, but even even ones that maybe aren't necessarily designed to feel that way, I think it's mm. a real snapshot of a moment in time of mm. of not even family filmmaking, but it family films necessarily. But it's got that real vibe around it. I mm-hmm. can't really describe it. It's homely. That, but, yeah. <laughs> homely, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's very nicely put. Is there anything you want to add as an addendum to your answer from last time, Claire? I know it was within the current format that we had you on last time. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember what my answer was. <laughs> so I either completely agree with it or completely disagree with it, depending on your... <laughs> Andy, in the, when you're editing, listen back and, and delete. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and most importantly, uh, Daisy, does the film E.T. make you cry? Are you, are you joking? Of course it does. <laughs> but what I do, which is really weird, because I'm like totally okay with crying when I'm upset or angry or stressed, mm. like basically any emotion. But if I'm sitting with people and there's a film on and I want to cry, I like get really like... <gasps> Like I can't, yeah, I don't know why it feels so much more vulnerable. And I think it's just because Mm. it's, it's the, it's a connection. It's, it's something that you're connecting to is making you cry. That Mm. feels so much more vulnerable in a way. Cause it's just like, wow, I'm watching this. I cry more by myself. Yeah. Oh, I sob. (laughs) If I'm watching a film by myself, I will sob. And it's so Mm. cathartic. I'm I'm watching doing it in the cinema because no one can see you. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But like. Even like my partner and I were watching an episode of The Bear the other day and there was something oh. really heartwarming that happened and I went, he went, you're crying, aren't you? I was like, yep, don't look. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, but that, oh my God, pale E.T. on the floor, uh. straight into the heart, Jesus. Um, it's the, yeah, for sure. That, it's just magic. It's just magic. Uh-huh. Agreed. Another one for you, Josh. <laughs> I thought I was winning because I'm, I'm obviously I'm a big crier, and he's not as big of a crier. I thought I was winning, but you did the you did the maths, didn't I you? Did, did the, I, I did the, the, the hardcore talent. Heartless, heartless. <laughs> if I say yes again, does that get you another point? Ah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if I say yes again, yeah, you just need to say yes point. every episode. Yeah. <laughs> I just put a lot of asterisks on the time. <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm wondering if anybody will have cried during today's film. <laughs> They're like the investors, maybe? <laughs> Did we... Uh, I'm sorry, guys. Did we say what the name of the film we was have that yet, we're doing? <laughs> no. Andrew, what is the name of the film that we're doing today? Why do we have the W-rated uh, hosts on our podcast to talk about this particular film today? Well, 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 it is indeed the prequel, The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas, directed by Brian Levant, written by Deborah Kaplan, ha- Harry Elfont, Jim Cash, Jack mm-hmm. and Jack Epps Jr., uh, released in the summer of spring, even uh, of uh, 2000. Um, <laughs> and I, I have been charged of the synopsis this week. <laughs> <laughs> You just refused to spend any more time by doing the production notes for this, didn't you? (laughs) So in case any of our listeners have not seen The Flintstones of Viva Rock Vegas, um, allow me to paint a picture for you. (laughs) The Great Kazoo, played by Alan Cumming, has a mission. 
His alien colleagues are frankly sick of him, so they exile <laughs> him to Earth. <laughs> you should have followed them for the remainder of the film. <laughs> They're the ones that I empathize with the most in this film. <laughs> Under the guise that he needs to put a report together on the mating rituals of the natives. In this case, Stone Age Homo sapiens. Upon his arrival in the town of Bedrock, he meets Fred Sl- Flintstone. Flintstone, played by John Goodman. Sorry, Mark Addy. And Barney Rubble, played by Rip Moranis. Sorry, Stephen Baldwin. Two young, <laughs> two young bachelors with their, with their future in front of them. Having just secured new jobs in the quarry, they're now keen to find the love of their lives. And Kazoo is even more keen on them observing them discreetly, seeing as only Fred and Barney can see and hear him. <laughs> <laughs> on the other side of town, the wealthy Wil- Wilma Slaghoople played by Elizabeth, sorry, uh, Kristen Johnson, is in despair. (laughs) She's desperate for a normal life, away from her demanding mother, Elizabeth, Joan Collins, uh, (laughs) (laughs) who keeps pushing her to marry the suave, yet manipulative and greedy casino owner, Chip Rockefeller, played by Thomas Gibson. At her wit's end, Wilma runs away and is shown charity by the waitress, Betty O'Shell, played by Rosie... Jane Krasikowski. It's just making me so sad. I did think about you when I was putting this joke, and I was like, oh. Claire's head just bowed down further and further. Her shoulders dropped every time you did that. Rosie O'Donnell was particularly going to be the killer, I think. She was in this movie, though. She was. Yes, of course. We've got some trivia here. We've got some trivia. She's shown charity by waitress Betty, who mistakenly believes her to be caveless. Now living and working together, it's not long until Wilma and Betty soon cross paths with Fred and Barney, who nervously find the courage to ask the girls out on a date. Soon, Fred and Wilma and Barney and Betty are smitten, and the future looks even brighter. But Wilma must first come clean about her high-class roots. And this all comes to bear when Wilma brings the gang to her father, Colonel Slaghoople's, played by Harley Corman, birthday where her new friends are not accepted for their primitive ways wilma however stands by her newfound pals and looks set to leave her old life behind for good before chip offers an act of uncharacteristic charity congratulating fred for winning wilma's heart and inviting the four of them to come and stay for a weekend at his new casino in viva rock vegas (laughs) swell the perfect place for fred to propose right wrong it's it is all, of course, part of Chip's scheme to steal Wilma from Fred and get his hands on the slag hoople fortune and pay off his mob debts. Manipulating Fred's desires to win money that could offer Wilma a better life, will Chip's scheme pay out? Will Barney and Betty's love be undone by the swaggering sex appeal of rock star Mick Jagged? Oh. Also by <laughs> oh, that's the worst bit of the film. <laughs> it's, it's the voice. It's the voice. <laughs> and will anybody... Anybody, <laughs> stop that guy from poisoning the dinosaur's water supply. <laughs> <laughs> what it's all going down <laughs> in Viva Rock Vegas. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this with you. <laughs> Before we get stuck into the meat, the big rack of ribs of the discussion, uh, I hope that made sense. Um, what are your early connections to the film? For anyone who's not listened to your episode on this film, um, Daisy, do um, you want to go first? I don't know if I... I assume I mentioned this um, 
on our episode. I genuinely can't remember. I'm Maybe glad I you didn't listen, listen to back it to it either. I was like, <laughs> yeah. it was our, it was our second ever episode in our first film episode. And I was like, do you know what? I don't need to go back and hear that. No, I kind of <laughs> felt like, no, I want to go in fresh. I want to give something new, you know? <laughs> retread old past. But um, <laughs> my react my um, connection to this actually ends up being a little bit about a different film so i won't spend too long on it but i remember going to see this in the cinema and being mortally uh terrified and scarred for most of my um childhood by the grinch trailer that played before it yeah so it's um yeah it's pretty synony- synonymous with that with that experience um but I'm delighted to say that I loved this film as a child. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah great. Like, it, I always loved my cinema trips. I went with my dad. Um, and I've still got that nostalgic sort of buzz around it. I think mm-hmm. I I remember saying to Claire, and I think this is a point of contention, which was I conflate the two films together because the first one came out in 94, right? Yeah. yeah. So we would have had that on i would probably would have had that on home video and then gone to see the new one because i was six so my thing my relationship with that would have been happening at the same time mm-hmm. um so unfortunately my memory is much more clear of this one <laughs> uh than the original um so i'm slightly I'm sorry we've done this to you, girl. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm starting to get my stats back up from when I was a kid, so it's great. I do feel like I said on the last episode that I would not come back for this, and yet here I am. <laughs> yeah. you they always come back. calling back. She'll always come calling back for the Flintstones. Yeah. Um, yeah, my experience of it was that I didn't ever watch it, didn't ever want to watch it. It looked so cheap. And it didn't mm. have the cast. Um, the nineteen ninety four first movie I remember seeing at the cinema. Had it on VHS. Watched it all the time. So when I think I was ten when this one came out, and it just looked bad. It didn't look good. And um, so skipped that. And then I watched it December twenty twenty for our, to be our first film for W rated. Didn't care for it. And um, <laughs> sort of watched it again last night. But debatable how much watching was actually being done. <laughs> so you didn't give it a chance like, to go just like, I guess I should re-familiarise <laughs> quite, quite literally and, and yeah, my, my hand and my eyes kept going <coughs> to my phone <laughs> it's scant isn't it it's not a long film but it, no, is but it felt so long the eyes reject it yeah. <laughs> I don't know I had fun <laughs> Andy how about yourself um, but like Going back to the original, like, I think in the first episode, I said, like, the Flintstones for me was very much that John Goodman movie. And the Flintstones I thought of when you say the name Flintstones was Rick Moranis, Elizabeth Perkins, Rosie O'Donnell, John Goodman. It was those guys. It wasn't even really the cartoon. Mm. My, the Flintstones for me were those guys. And I, I have a memory of it at the very least renting this on video um, in late 2000 or whenever it was. And starting it, but never never finishing it because um, <laughs> my my dad, God bless him, like even when we were kids, he would not hide his disdain for something that we were making him watch. So like, I I have a very clear memory of like this opening up with uh, the Great Kazoo and uh, the strange not good start, make, is it really yeah, strange makeup f- flying fucking men and 
very awkward early 2000s compositing and cgi and just him just going oh god oh no what uh, oh it looks horrible get it off i'm gonna have to message my dad and ask him now. remember when we went what did you think about it remember when you what met the thoughts? great kazoo yeah. i just love the great kazoo not only being in the film but opening the film it's yeah absolutely. it's you. a bold move it's just an absolute fuck you because it's like right so it's the most hated character in like cartoon history this film is gonna be shit so do you know what putting kazoo in <laughs> maybe my dad was like reliving uh like a buried memory from the 60s of the great kazoo cartoon and just as yeah. soon as affronted <laughs> with the sight he's just like oh no <laughs> <laughs> um, i will sometimes he's put the back. headphones on like if i'm having a low day or i'm like doing some like house clean or something like there's a website that just plays like a random flintstones episode and i'm like, like yep yeah, here we go and if it's a kazoo episode i'm like nope like, next one <laughs> i feel like i need to see one just to it's, see what all the fuck is. It's just nonsense. Too. It's just yeah. nonsense. Yes. It's, it's their the jump the shark moment, right? Yeah, yeah, it reeks of like a season, like a late season five. Oh shit, we're losing viewers. Let's yeah. just, I, I don't know. How about like the, I think it was the penultimate season that he comes in. Oh, that, I, was I think really that was like... season five then. Yeah. Like I, th- I think I had the notes of it originally when we did our episode, but I can't. I was looking for them. Like I think he was actually only in like a tiny handful of really? episodes. <laughs> but he's infamous because people hate. <laughs> I, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> I will confess I didn't do any research the great into Kazoo has gone back to his home planet. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go now. He died on the way. <laughs> I didn't do any extra research into the origins of Gazoo, partly because I did I forgot. And also because I was just so angry at <laughs> in this film. I have sa- I saved a link that's just called The History of Gazoo. Wonderful. So. <laughs> we'll no, put no, a link yes. in the description. If anybody wants to know, they can read it themselves. But I don't want to give he, a little shit more time than he deserves. He, he appeared in the final season. Ah, uh, right, okay. Right. Yeah. Really, like, so, yeah, really at the end of, end of, the, straws there. End of days yeah. of the Flintstones. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, in, in their second film, they were already there. They were already <laughs> desperate. Such a bizarre choice. Like. <laughs> But I was very much like he did. I was big into this. Uh, I, I remember the first one felt like um, <laughs> like a Christmas TV fixture. And I think mm. I had it taped off mm-hmm. the telly from a few Christmases. But this one, I will have been like six or seven. No, seven, seven or eight when this came out in the cinema. And I was properly into it. And this, for my childhood, for better and for, wor- for worse, more than for better, <laughs> was my first <laughs> Saw so it in the cinema, had it on video in this little yellow clamshell video oh, case oh, very nice. okay i'm into that yeah, i love yeah, it yeah. i love a themed vhs oh, yeah. box yeah. yeah and i watched they don't it do them enough over and over, and over. <laughs> yeah bring them back they do fuck up your shelf though they do that's really true fuck up your shelf. that is true mm. i've got like a watchman that's like a raw shot mask mm. that it just mm. can't go anywhere okay, <laughs> it's like what am i supposed to do with this <laughs> thanks a lot distributors <laughs> Uh, but I, I don't have much of a memory of my... I mean, I, I know I watched it a lot, and I must have liked it, but I don't have much of a memory of, of my thoughts towards it. I, I have a vague recollection of thinking, even as a kid, it feels a little naff. It feels a little <laughs> bit made I, for TV. Yeah, I remember, like, because we only got... I, we never got the Vegas when we, we watched it as a kid. We stopped yeah. before it got... Cause it does, yeah, because it's long. It it's like half, ages over halfway Vegas. through. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the last 20 minutes of Vegas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you like, think like, it was... 
do you think it wasn't originally called that? And then they were like, oh, it's more exciting. <laughs> so when Jason mm. takes Manhattan when it's like an hour and 20 minutes of him on a boat and then 10 minutes of him <laughs> punching a guy in the face in Manhattan. <laughs> is but, he like, in space for all of space at least? Yeah. He is in okay. space. He okay. is in all of space for that one. 100% space for that one. Do, do you guys remember even as a kid being a bit thrown by it being different actors and being a prequel to I the other one? I think that's why I had no interest in it. I think mm. that's... And like, oh, by that point, what was I, 10? So I had lived... I was living through like the bad 90s sequels mm. era where they'd suddenly just write out the love interest because mm. they couldn't get the actor back. Mm. Or... Speed 2 cruise control syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not one of my childhood watches. But <laughs> you get the issue. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah. and I was such like a big John Goodman girl. So I think when I was like, I was like, this looks cheap. It's not the right characters. Mm. Um, I was also, you know, 10 kind of growing up a bit was like, Mm. Don't want to go see the Flintstones. Instead, I'll go see Scooby Doo three times in the cinema because you know why not? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Good movie. But yeah, it just—I didn't—I didn't didn't want any part of this because Mm. it just looked all wrong. (laughs) Um, I just realised that with the. Oh, sorry, David. Go on. Sorry, personally, I was struggling with some um, traumatic um, stress um, after the Grinch trailer the first time, (laughs) but I and Claire is going to absolutely. And I'm pretty sure I said this on the podcast Claire's gonna hate me but I had more association with these characters being these actors being the characters because I as soon as you said about the like the VHS tape mm-hmm. off of Christmas I can see the DFS adverts yes, like, in yes. Between. yes. there's always a DFS sale um, so I think I don't I don't know I personally think I remember I have more association with that but I think I was too young I think it was just a case of like yeah it is and it's just saying Claire if that was happening a lot in the 90s then I was probably just kind of used to that seeing that kind of oh yeah I I don't know can't tell you what it is but I know I definitely have a version of that with something and I'm like no these are my version yeah Yeah. not my Flintstones (laughs) for me me, the greatest Batman film was always Batman and Robin because it's the one I saw in the cinema and I had a really Mm -hmm. great day out and we went to Burger King and got toys and I was like oh my god this is great I have a similar thing sonically with uh, uh, the that Andy's going to get annoyed at me for not knowing the composer but the Danny Elfman Batman theme from the first two Mm -hmm. is not my Batman theme because like you Claire the first one I saw in the cinema was Batman and Robin so the composed who's by the, Elliot Goldenfall. <laughs> Elliot Goldenfall's theme is the Batman theme to me, and I'm always, Good always, theme. even now, surprised watching <laughs> Tim Burton's films and not hearing that. Like, I can I, now I, admit the Tim Burton ones are very, very good. Yeah. We've, I've not rewatched Batman and Robin because we are going to do it for our podcast at some point. Um, I like but, it. <laughs> I've never I, seen it. I rewatched the first two and. What what's the one with Jim Carrey? Forever, forever, forever. That's a whole load of nonsense. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, for years I was just like, Alicia Silverstone is one of the bad people, and I don't <laughs> get why people don't love her. It was amazing. Why isn't she in others? <laughs> <laughs> I just second back to what you said, Andy, about this being a prequel. I, mm. I was racking my brains wondering how like children of the late nineties would have comprehended what a prequel is. But I of did course, not. But the when we were recording, was. I was like, "Oh, this is a prequel." Like when we were like when I went to watch it, I was like, "Oh right, oh, yeah." I did not get that as a kid. Like yeah. that just goes to show the co- the cognition was not online quite mm. when I there when I was six. It yeah. was just a case of. But did it matter? Content. Yeah. <laughs> 
But then I, I realised though, the year before this, Mr. Lucas did the Lord's work in, in educating the world on what a prequel was. What a prequel was. <laughs> and what why they needed to be told. Be. Yeah. So Again, I, I, I probably watched those first and had a <laughs> yeah, yeah. more stronger childhood this association with those starts. prequels too. <laughs> what did they do to me? No wonder I'm you know, <laughs> <laughs> so, like it doesn't yeah. matter to most kids because, Screw like, that. especially no. in the nineties, you were watching TV, and if you didn't get home from school at the right time, you would miss like a pivotal episode of a TV yeah. show, and you just mm-hmm. had to pick it up the next week and hope you could ride through the storm. Right, so, <laughs> like, I think a prequel was fine. Yeah, yeah. kids develop their own understanding of films. I I thought that the protagonist of Home Alone was called Home Alone for the first several years of me watching it. So I. I Oh no, Home Alone's <laughs> lost to New York. So, sorry, sorry. I, did you not understand the concept of names? <laughs> I, mm, no. no. Oh, you, now the judgment begins. Now the judgment starts. <laughs> I just, I feel oh, it's like, such a you know, time four, being a child, wasn't it? <laughs> four and five year olds, one of the first things they teach them is how names work. So I'm a little bit concerned. <laughs> But the movie You've was named now, Home Alone. Right? I thought all movies were named after the main character of the film. So, you know, Fly Away Home, the film with the geese is flying, you thought that all of the characters yeah. were called Fly Away yeah. Home. It's like in that film when Fly Away Home flies away. Home. <laughs> oh, boy. So, we, shall, we, uh, shall we do a little bit of I think of you needed that blood, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> he said it was when he was a kid. He has no excuse. <laughs> don't feel right maybe I'm making maybe this is all a hallucination what a film to talk about at the yeah. time <laughs> sweet sweet fever dream <laughs> good god well let's um, let's get stuck into these scant production notes then uh, as Andy said because you guys have covered this you probably know much more than I do so please feel free to jump in the scholars of Viva Rock Vegas <laughs> I mean I do I do have a two page Excel grid with loads of stats that I found from a time oh, when I yeah. used to do research for our podcast I realised that I, it was before I went digital with my notes and um, I've mm. literally just thrown a load of notebooks out and I was yeah. like I don't need these notes from these films anymore because we've done the episodes oh, now okay. and lo and behold <laughs> I'm go. keeping mine for posterity I'm moving so I'm trying to get everything out (laughs) well if you will all indulge me and follow me back in time to 1994 when the first Flintstones came out and made over 340 million dollars worldwide off a budget of 46 million so a sequel is inevitable Um, and then throughout the 90s it will have stayed somewhere in the public consciousness with the video game adaptations on the SNES and the Sega which I don't know if you guys ever played I certainly never I played the Sega one Really, was it good? Um, (laughs) 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 And then for Daisy and myself, it was a regular Christmas TV fixation. (laughs) So a sequel, the appetite for a sequel was deemed as being there, or a prequel or whatever it ended up being. (laughs) Uh, But naturally, of course, like all good sequels, this took six years to come to fruition, which it turns out was largely because John Goodman refused to reprise the role of Fred Flintstone. A role he didn't really want in the first place. <laughs> and Rick Moranis, Rick Moranis, in the intervening years, had decided mm. to retire from acting. Bless him, I may do miss him. 
Uh, pushing... Do you think if I meet John Goodman in person and tell him that my favourite role <laughs> is, is the Flintstones, he'll get really offended? I think he'll. I, I, I'd like to think he'll come round on it now. Is he's, this inspired by that tweet that's going round? There's a tweet going right? round, and I've not had an answer for it, and I've suddenly realised I, I have think an this answer could for be it. yours for sure. <laughs> Uh, so all this pushed production back further and further until they scrapped plans to make a sequel. And they restarted with the idea of doing a prequel. Uh, at some point during this time, it was also deemed necessary to increase the budget to a hubristic $83 million. Almost almost double the original, mm-hmm. which I think even with inflation factored in, that does not track. Compute. What did yes. they do with it? What, where did it go? <laughs> Uh, the actors may have gone, but Brian Levant heroically stayed on as director, using the time in between Flintstones to direct Andy's favourite movie, Jingle All the Way, and contribute Only to... Only half joking. <laughs> Sorry, I watch it nearly every year, I'm not going to lie. It's my present wrapping film. Yeah. It, it, it understands the horror that is Christmas. Yeah. It gets it. It gets it. We Michael go to the Chase. Prince Charles every year and see it on 35 millimeters. <laughs> oh, oh my god! god. Oh, what yes. a Prince printer is, might I add? Oh, <laughs> nice. Only time it's ever watched. Uh, and he also contributed to the screenplay for Leave It to Beaver. Oh, oh I've never so, seen that. No. Oh. Movie adaptation of apparently what was a TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, TV adaptations, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of people not returning, none of the original 35 writers came back to tackle this because eagle-eared listeners will remember there were 35 writers in total that contributed to the original film. And I think only two or three were credited, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't quite recall exactly. That sounds I have so many questions. You it should was, listen uh, to our episode from last like, week. I probably like... will. See, this is the beauty and it's the pro and con of me having really, really bad memory. It's uh-huh. like I learn something new every day and it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, they, they brought about three or four writers rooms in to punch right. up the original script, which is why there were around about 35 people in total that contributed. Arbitration was a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So instead, scripting duties fell to two writing duos, the first being Deborah Kaplan, Kaplan? Kaplan. Kaplan. and (laughs) Harry Elfont, who would later go on to write and direct the masterpiece, Josie and the Pussycats. And I say that Ah. completely sincerely. That's cool. Best Not bathroom in film. Best bathroom yes. in film. The McDonald's sponsored <laughs> I just, shower curtains. I still want it. <laughs> That's a terrific movie. Actually, that was the same year as this, wasn't it? I think, or maybe it was two thousand one. Two thousand one. Might have been. Yeah, the year a little afterwards. bit later. Mm. Use that um, in the Rob Baker's cachet. <laughs> <laughs> Before it came out, crucially. <laughs> yeah. uh, the second duo being Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr., who together wrote Top Gun, Dick Tracy, and Anaconda. <laughs> I don't resume. know how yeah. either of those duos ended up doing this. <laughs> I couldn't find out any information. Did you two in your um, travels? Uh, no. no, I've not thought anything about that. Direct all those questions to Claire. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just literally have that there who wrote it. I didn't give any other. I just have the pure facts. No, I, I don't think they. I don't think they have a credit in between this and. Anaconda. And that's like there's a good like three or four year gap. Yeah. So maybe they were just like, you guys need anything done? <laughs> Driving the hard shell for Flintstones. Okay. 
Sorry, everyone. I'm sorry to our listeners. I'm sorry to my parents. Never apologise to them. <laughs> you pun and move on. <laughs> so we said that none of the original actors came back. That isn't strictly true. Because Erwin Keyes reprises his role from the first film as Joe Rockhead. We all know Joe Rockhead, don't we? Oh, Very well. Old Joey Rockhead. Rockhead. Does he work at the quarry? He does. Uh, yes. Okay. And okay. actor Jim Dugan returns not in his role from the first film as waiter. No, no. But instead, the character Wikipedia calls Dinosaur Confessor. Oh. <laughs> My favourite character. <laughs> he got a promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Unambiguously, I think the best thing about this or film... Or a demotion, it being a prequel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, he, the dinosaurs confessed to too many murders and they didn't trust yeah. him anymore. You can only bust tables now. <laughs> now that is where the, what the film should have been. <laughs> That's the mid call that I'm going to. Yeah, <laughs> Flintstones 1.5. We'll get Jim Cash on the line. See what uh, as Andrew mentioned, replacing John Goodman as Fred Flintstone is Mark Addy, a jolly northern man who'd previously done his time in the British TV police show slums before breaking out with 1997's The Full Monty, filmed in my hometown. Yeah. Uh, replacing that movie. Yeah, people like it. People like it. Hey, Best it's had a nominee. Se- it's had a sequel series go to Disney Plus. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I don't think anyone has seen. <laughs> don't think it released if the numbers from Sheffield the hasn't seen it, then no one has. <laughs> How long before that's taken off as a tax uh, rate right off? Yeah. <laughs> Replacing lovely, lovely, lovely Rick Moranis is Stephen Baldwin. The youngest and weakest of the four Baldwin boys, Stephen had toiled away in the background of war movies, briefly taken centre-ish stage in 1995's The Usual Suspects, then retreated to D-movie schlockiness ahead of this, somewhere in which he's remained since this. And he was also one of the first Hollywooders to endorse Trump. So Credit where credit's due. <laughs> <laughs> He's had the career he deserves. <laughs> Replacing Elizabeth Perkins as Kristen Johnson, whose only substantial credit on her CV at this point seems to be the role of Sally Solomon on Third Rock from the Sun. Mm, I was going to say that was a big thing. Yeah. Which was pretty substantial. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah, yeah. Main cast member. Yeah. That's um, as well yeah, as the as well as the role of Ivana Humpalot in yeah. The Spy Who Shagged Me. I don't know if you guys remember... I do. I, I, do. I do. I, 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 re-watched, I rewatched that in the pandemic, and actually, <laughs> yeah. I hate to say it, it's a fucking great film. Still, still, <laughs> still super offensive, but great. Popcorn. You've never watched the first two are great. I remember still not good. liking yeah. the third one, but third I do need to really give it another tough. go. Third oh, one's really tough to get okay. to. Second one's great though. Felicity Shagwell, I think, had an effect on me there. <laughs> <laughs> Heather Graham, just we oh, well, should have had. Yeah, she should have had a better career. She she deserved so much more. Yeah. She would have made a great Wilma. Yes. She could have been a great Wilma. Could have been a Wilma. Could have been a Wilma. Yeah. Or a Betty. She could be could a Wilma. No, I could see her as Betty, actually. Yeah. I could see her She's as Wilma. She's multifaceted. <laughs> <laughs> Just co- recast the whole thing with her Graham. Heather Graham was everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and finally, replacing Rosie O'Donnell is Jenna Maroney. <laughs> no, Jane Krasowski. She played Jenna Maroney. Uh, <laughs> Largely a jobbing actor, it seems, unless I'm mistaken, up to getting 30 Rock, 
Starring in a US no, soap. She was in Ally McBeal for years as a lead character. Uh, right. Character. But that she was after this, though, wasn't it? Or was that before this? That was before this. Oh. Or around, around the same time. Around the same time. Mm-hmm. She kind of. I feel like Ally hit. McBeal was definitely 90s. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think the thing that she was, I guess, in most before this was a, a soap in the 80s called Search for Tomorrow from uh, 1984 to 1986. And then a bit parts in National Lampoon's Vacation, Fatal Attraction. And Doug Liman's sure. film Go, which is a very uh, varied trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just for the Alan McBeal fans out there, it started in 1997. Ah, <laughs> and also Alan McBeal. But of course, we know her best as Jenna Maroney. Star of Rurajur. Um, apparently, she was initially reluctant to take the role from Rosie O'Donnell, but she was encouraged to ultimately do so after she received flowers and a card of congratulations from O'Donnell that read... Aww. From Betty number one to Betty number two. Aww. Now you oh, yabba dabba do it. Rosie that makes nice. me more seems sad. Really nice. I just <laughs> oh, yeah. feel like she, she. I don't want to know if she's not nice because she just seems so nice. She just seems nice. Let's mm-hmm. just believe she's nice. She probably yeah. is nice. Yeah, I've never heard anything said to the contrary. Yeah. <laughs> don't even test don't the universe, <laughs> please. Don't you dare, universe. <laughs> don't you dare. Just let us have one. Let us have one. <laughs> Just one. But we're not finished talking about O'Donnell yet, though, because she was actually, technically, in this film, albeit vocally, because Mm -hmm. she provides her voice uh, to the octopus. I don't think it's named, but for some reason, big octopus giving Wilma and Betty massages (laughs) in the Rock Vegas. Is that just that whole demotion just makes me really sad? (laughs) It's almost like... I don't know. It feels worse in a way that she's still in it in that capacity. I don't know she why. Probably, it's probably just a little cameo. No, I know. But it's just oh, the way I'm get. framing it in my head. It makes me <laughs> sad. Like she's been ousted, but oh, I can have this, I suppose. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, just, yeah, how's this? But it probably wasn't like that at all. Oh, Rosie. And I guess the only other point nice. of note is that this is technically the final screen role of Harvey Corman, who mm. had voiced the Great Gazoo in the original series, and Dick to Bird in the previous mm. film. <laughs> Dick to Bird. We all remember Dick to Bird. I love Dick to Bird. Everyone's yes. favourite Dick to Bird. This, this, <laughs> is, this is a prominent... Like, I remember all of this. The important thing. <laughs> the important bits and bobs. The only thing that I had that was extra, which mm. is about the crew, is that in the first film, the art direction was done by Christopher Murray and Moa, and he came back for this one to do the production design, but everyone underneath him was different. Um, yeah. And I'm like, how did he lose? How did he lose the vision so badly? <laughs> we preserved those styrofoam sets, right? <laughs> <laughs> but even the costumes, the costumes mm. were so bad. Sorry, yeah, they did. Look- um, there is one person I haven't mentioned intentionally, and I wondered if anybody was going to pick me up for it, and you haven't, which means that I have to now confess that we should also mention that Alan Cummings plays Gazoo and also. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. He's double rolled, um, double rolled. Yeah, but we'll not. You just didn't want to say you met Jagger, did you? <laughs> I quite like I Alan remember Cummings. watching. Yeah. I remember watching it for the podcast and being like, who is that? Yeah, who me is too. That? Me too. And then I looked up afterwards, or maybe I didn't, and then I started recording, I can't remember, but I was just like, Oh my god! I can't believe I did <laughs> I know. Same. See that? 
in oh, my dear. head, I was kind of, I don't know if you've seen like the John Mulaney bit of him talking about when Mick Jagger came into oh, SNL yeah. oh. to, like, and they were pitching material at him. To me, yeah. they initially went to Mick Jagger for this role and he read the script and just threw it in their face and went, not funny! Not funny! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I need to rewatch that bit. <laughs> not funny! <laughs> that is a very good bit. Um, <laughs> Alan Cummings, I guess part of his ascension to Hollywood superstardom this is two years mm-hmm. before to Spy Kids and X-Men 2 oh. in which he's very good actually he's a very good he's actor. so Great. good in X-Men mm-hmm. so good and he's a good he's good as Foop oh Floop. brilliant Flooglies don't get me started on Spy Kids we'll be here all day <laughs> still never seen a Spy Kid oh, yeah. oh you will you I was going to say there must you'll be see the worst one <laughs> is it 4 is it 4 yes it is is and it not 3D stuff. no it's 3D's Oh, Quite no, like no. This, four is another <laughs> level. 3D really? is like kitsch bad. Four is just trash. Have you watched the new one? No, but that looks so bad. Yeah. I don't want it anywhere Changing near me. Changing out Antonio Banderas How? with Zachary Levi. Oh. <laughs> How you Stop placing people that? with him. It's just a vacuum of anything. Robert, what is happening? <laughs> Seriously. I, mean, it's it's I, just do. I, I know Zachary Levi's a bit controversial these days, but would if could. Like, <laughs> so down. So He's down. I wouldn't. You'd catch a few things. He doesn't like vaccines. So. He doesn't like vaccines, but he is the voice of Flynn Rider, and he is also just... Like astonishing in, in the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He is. Like, he's very, oh. he's very handsome in that. <laughs> I want if you could give me Chuck era Zachary Levi, then I would as well. But <laughs> not now. <laughs> I have no so previous association with him, so he's just a vaccine guy. <laughs> oh, so you get to talk about the Ricky Gervais voiced pug then in the Spy Kids that you get to cover? Do you know oh my this? god. <laughs> Why have I watched that, but not for the... Oh, I think I went on a different podcast just talking about the series overall. Uh So I was like, great, I'll finally watch the fourth one. I got a copy on DVD and my soul died. So here we are. Did the DVD come (laughs) out with uh, Smell-O-Vision? Because I know that was its big... uh... Marketing. Oh uh, yeah. It came out oh dear. It if you thought the three D, yeah, if you thought the three D gimmick <laughs> uh, for spin. three was bad, this is yeah. Less said about this, the better. So excited <laughs> for the future that is ahead of me. We are what you watch. You got to watch them all, though, Claire. I will. You I find will find one of those well, sniff cards on eBay. I would, defi- <laughs> I would definitely watch the first one, and so I feel like I might mm-hmm. as well just commit to it. Yeah, got to do it. Whole hog. I've done worse, I'm sure. I'm I, sure I've done worse. You're coming back to London. We're having a Spy Kids day. <laughs> it's happening. Oh, lucky. Look, Andy, I'm taking over the flag. <laughs> I'll be like, have a Spy Kids day. Yeah. Do you want to come? You should come inside. Yeah. I'll be like, be like to my boyfriend, I'll be like, out, it's Spy Kids day. It's on the calendar. Did you not see? I think, I, I think I've still got my DVD of uh, the free, of free that has like the sex of uh, blue and yellow. Blue and red. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I kept that like a relic. I can't. I don't know where it's gone. See, I told you, if we got started on Spy Kids, I won't stop. <laughs> Quick, bring it back. Uh, Viva Quick Las Vegas. <laughs> the film's tie-in single was a rock-themed cover of Viva Las Vegas, performed by stalwart Flintstones guest star Anne Margaret, who was like Anne Mar Rock or something in the original sure. series. Uh, which seems like a very unkind Coast thing star. to make her do. A woman in her like, 60s at this point made to sing a rock-themed cover of... <laughs> I'm sure she was flying cash in the check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the worst things I've ever heard. I'm I hate it so much. <laughs> the songs of the film so much. Especially because you had the 
B-52s in the first one yeah. so much fun. They brought yeah. so much energy. And right. then she's like, it's like, okay, go, go, give us a I think I've given up by this point because I don't remember this happening. <laughs> it's just the end of the movie. Whenever they're in whenever they're in Rock Vegas, it's just plays Viva Rock Vegas and she released yeah. that as a single. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Yeah. So there is a man. The agent. <laughs> Guys, I'm so close to talking about Spy Kids again. We've got to keep moving. <laughs> All right. Viva Rock Vegas opened in the US on 28th of April 2000, taking 10.5 million in its first weekend, but opening second <laughs> to submarine film U571, which oh, wow. was in its oh, second catchy. week. In its second week. So it couldn't even top the second week of U571. We all remember that film. Yeah. Oh, the big Easter hit of 2000. <laughs> Directed by Jonathan Mostow, I want to say. Yeah, Jonathan Mostow. Why have I pick. remembered that? Why? Yeah, why? <laughs> this all sounds made up. But it's a weird thing with Mostow, man. Uh, it stayed in cinemas until mid-August of that year, when it limped out with just 59.5 million worldwide. And the budget, need I remind you, was 83 million, making Yikes. it an official box office bomb. Um, it continued the Flintstones movie trend of being largely derided by critics, although a shocking number of them did posit that it was an improvement over the original. And I do not know what's wrong with them. <laughs> They're being paid off by Chip Rockefeller. <laughs> like, I, I can just about understand maybe people just didn't like the first one, mm. but how in any way, shape or form can you think this is an improvement? Strap in, guys. We'll be here a while. <laughs> 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 One thing we should give it credit for, though, was being a resounding success at the 21st Golden Raspberry Awards, where it earned nominations for Worst Picture, Worst Supporting Actor for uh, uh, Stephen Baldwin, Worst Supporting Actress for Joan Collins, which seems quite rude. That's rude. Yeah. And Worst Remake or Sequel. So, Do we know what it was up against? I mean, I've definitely, I've definitely s- said this out year, loud on my own podcast, but... We definitely would have covered it in our podcast, but I don't have any record of it. Um, Battlefield Earth was that big one that year. Right. Also on Alice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So have you guys... for that one. Yeah, well, that's... Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, Battlefield Earth pretty much swept <laughs> up across the board there. This also got a load of noms in the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. Um, I forgot about the Stinkers. <laughs> they don't know what the Stinkers are. It's just another... It got worst remake or sequel. The remake and sequel no one would, nobody was clamouring for. Um, they just really also... get super specific yeah. <laughs> we just want to slag these films off let's make a title <laughs> it did also get a positive nom it got nominated for the Young Artist Awards uh, oh. for Best Family Feature Film Comedy there you go. that's nice and supportive <laughs> yeah. um, so I, that that's kind of all I got, all I got. there's nothing on this No one. Mm. Uh, this has fallen down a cultural memory hole um, for everyone, and yet here we are. <laughs> Twice. 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 For a second time on a podcast. It's kind of chilly all of a sudden, isn't it? Chilly? Are you kidding? The earth's still cooling around here. <laughs> still, I wish I'd brought something to drape over my shoulders, you know? Oh, uh. Mm, thank you. Nice opening gambit, lover boy. Now close the deal so I can get off this barren rock. I'm ignoring you right now. What did you say? I said, I'm adoring you right now. Oh, Fred. That's so sweet. (laughs) Come on. Come on. You're in the red zone. 
La 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 la. Isn't it also romantic? Now hurry up and kiss her. La la. <laughs> so I, I I think I should again, as with last time, throw the mic to Claire in the first instance because you've got a lot of thoughts about this clearly. And again, for anyone who's not heard your episode on W rated, please tell us what it is about this film that doesn't quite doesn't quite measure up to the heights of Brian Levant's nineteen ninety four The French Dance. I think the thing that I first have to comment on is how disappointed I was again to learn that Brian Levant directed this because I think I was horrified when I learned the first time because like how how do you do one and make this one so bad and um, I think my issue with this that like I really have the problem with especially on a rewatch there's no charm to it it's completely devoid of charm like everyone feels like they're on a sketch but there's no funniness the the sets are cheap the costumes are cheap it's just lacking in every area that it should be giving um and i think that i think that's it as well it's not just that the story isn't very good it's that the costumes are worse the Mm. um set design is worse the effects are worse and like all of these things Mm. should at least be the same if not improved if they could do it in 94 how the hell are you not able to do it in like 90,000 like what went wrong and mm. even when i was watching it i was like did they try and do too much cgi but i genuinely don't even think they did do much cgi no. other than like maybe one dinosaur when they go over the bridge mm. um at the very and start and the farting dinosaur let's not forget but yeah they just I, and i think a lot of it is that the actors involved are all funny actors whereas the actors in the first one are comedians if that makes sense. Okay. Like, yeah. John Goodman, Rick Moranis know how to do comedy. And I think, and like, Rick Moranis did a lot of writing, didn't he? Like, he wrote a lot. Yeah. Of he was on the right, one of the writing, a couple of the writing tables, yeah. Yeah, so like, he knows comedy. I've seen most of the cast in this, though. I mean, Fred and Barney are very weak, but the two female leads, I've seen them both do very funny things, especially um, Jane Barney. Jenna Maroney, James <laughs> Kowski, who I do think we said in our episode was good. Um, mm. Like, I feel like she was trying. But yeah, I feel they don't, none of them have the natural humour to carry the weak script and the awkward puns. And then just visually, it looked cheap and I can't believe that they had a pay upgrade. <laughs> um, and also, just there's no Halle Berry. Where's the villain in this? The villain had, get, like, he, he, was, he was barely a villain. Like, barely there yeah. wearing what looked like maybe Carl McLaughlin's costume that they found hanging up in the, in the yeah. back and yeah. just like oh probably still I want to get in on the ground floor and say I'm not going to stand for Chip Rockefeller slander <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a big fan of Thomas Gibson's portrayal of Chip, Rock, Chip Rockefeller of the what was it uh, the Masonic 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 <laughs> Prehistoric word. <laughs> there's, that, there's that bit when he when he thinks that Fred's joking about being a construction worker. Yeah. And he goes, oh, you're serious? How embarrassing for you. Which is a <laughs> terrific line. That made me laugh a lot. I like, wouldn't, wouldn't be over to him straight away. <laughs> no, um, I think that's, yeah, it's just a general disappointment at mm. this stage. I'm no longer angry at it. I'm just like, <laughs> this isn't good. Come this to is not yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, shame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was it any, I like uh, it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not joking. It's not a good film, but it's just pure nostalgia. Like mm-hmm. it's just so easy to watch. 
um, which is completely the opposite of what Claire thinks. She found it very hard to watch. <laughs> I really, really did. I thought it would be easier in the second watch, and it was so much more difficult. I am a bit finding it difficult watching films in general at the moment at home, so don't know if that mm. didn't help. But yeah, man. I'm and if you just... know you don't like it because you've seen it before, yeah. and it's, you are just going to drift at, away. It's that yeah. pure contention with like a film that you really like. Mm. Yeah. Whereas I think the context of me watching this, I can appreciate the Flintstones, the first one, as a good film. Yeah. And this Thank is you. just like stick it on childhood. It's like I I didn't have a great day yesterday, and I got back. And I put a blanket over me and I stuck this on. I was like, oh, this is exactly what I need. Yeah. It's not good, <laughs> but I mean, but it, but it is because There's it's... that Amblin feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's not good objectively. Mm. It, I, I feel good when I'm watching it mm. because so it's I think just... I don't have any of that nostalgia, so I find exactly. it deeply unengaging. And also just like, I felt like oh, even if I hadn't watched it, I could have remembered every plot point because it's the most basic plot ever. Mm. Which I mean, I guess it's aimed at kids. It's a family film. So. But it's interesting you say because I was just about to say it's aimed at kids, but it's not a very kid... Not a, It's not, not kid-friendly. It's just a why would kids really care mm. about... It's the same with the first one as well. That's got like a plot that's quite... Espionage. Uh, corporate yeah. embezzlement. <laughs> corporate. <laughs> I like horny as hell as well. This one's a little horny too. A lot of sex jokes, but the first one... Yeah. Mm.
Mm. Now I just like I'm not too bothered. Like I say, I've, I've got I've made, gotten over it. Made peace with Kazoo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what were your thoughts? Not the fucking times. As someone with less <laughs> Established vitriol towards this and less established nostalgia, Andy. What was your mm. reaction to watching it this time? It's like kind of echoing Claire. It's just from very early on, it all just feels a bit off. And it, mm. it is from like immediately opening with aliens and giant floating heads with green makeup and tiny podgy bodies that in like really cheap plastic suits you're a bit like oh god <laughs> I immediately thrown back to my dad's cries of despair uh, <laughs> so in a way the nostalgia factor did come into play um, but from then i to like i i did try to kind of like there's kind of sways of this right you try to kind of meet it on its level of going for that kind of like sitcom setup and building these kind of relationships and trying to divorce the idea of the Flintstones that I had in my head and kind of take it on its own terms. But then there, there was just a point of me is where I was just kind of like tapping my notebook. It's like, why are we not in rock Vegas yet? <laughs> <laughs> the film's called Fever Rock Vegas. <laughs> and, Would you and, have liked more time there though? Really? No, you're right. It weirdly feels like, cause the idea is right. We're going bigger, we're going more, we're going to another part of this world that we didn't explore the last time out. We're opening it up. But weirdly, when you hit Viva Rock Vegas, it feels smaller than the way that like Bedrock felt in the original, where you are you like When you do Scooby-Doo and they go to whatever the island, Spooky Island, that mm. place to me was big. Yeah. That place to me was amazing. And then, yeah. And it felt Viva real. Rock, like It felt real, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rock Want to go like, there? Maybe when it's monster free, but you yeah. know. It's like here's a here's a small bar. This yeah. is Rock mm-hmm. Vegas. The end. <laughs> but there's a pool do, over there. <laughs> if we didn't go to Rock Vegas, we'd never meet Dinosaur Confessor, and our lives would be all the poorer for That's it. True. I don't remember who Dinosaur Confessor is, and I'm really sad. And you're like, it's I probably my favorite in joke in it. Do you have the like... line written down, Andy? But I, I can no, but I can you remember can the kind of exchange. Have, yeah. It's where Chip Rockefeller said, like is putting Fred in the frame, and he's like, "We have a criminal in our midst." And then everyone like in the room like just thinks it's them and like confesses to their crimes. And he's like, "I've been slowly poisoning the dinosaurs' water supply. That means in a few years they will all become extinct." <laughs> and they keep going around and they refocus it to Fred and then it like gets to the end of the button of that scene where Fred's being taken away by the police and it's like does nobody care about the dinosaurs <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the callback's even like the callback is at the end of Fred's no there's, there's another oh is that the third yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> last chance somebody yes. <laughs> it's, it is good good bit good bit right. I'll give it that I'll give it that there are a couple of bits that made me chuckle, and like, and again, I think part of what the charm of the first one, particularly for me, is on that production design level. There is still some of that here, even if mm-hmm. some of the dressing feels m- maybe more rushed or more kind of confined and more confined. Um, is I think is a very good word, and I think even mm. the sh- the shots are confined. Mm. It feels like sitcom cinematography. Yeah. Like it feels like TV. It never feels mm. cinematic. It's quite flat. I, I yeah, wonder if not that's very just cinematic. like. Because I think I'm right in saying Dean Cundy shot the mm-hmm. first one, and who is you know, your cinematographer behind Back Jurassic Park, future. Hook, John Carpenter's yeah. The Thing, Halloween, yeah. and what have you. So what a man. man who, yeah, a, a man with cinematic language in his veins. Mm, he's like, yeah. he is 
when I think of what movies look like, it's mm. probably going to be a Dean Cundy mo- shot movie. Yeah. And I think just going, kind of losing that kind of visual sense can be really felt affects, in this one. Yeah. yeah. This one was done by a fella called Jamie Anderson. I don't know what else he did. Does not ring a bell. He did gross point, <laughs> he did gross point blank. Oh, I watched oh. that the other night as well. <laughs> and he also that's, a, did... that's a nicely shot movie, actually. I was thinking of him. <laughs> but then quite, he... like, it's quite sharp and dynamic. He also did Jane Silent Bob Straight Back. So. Ah. Bad Santa, the girl <laughs> next door. <laughs> oh, I, I love the girl next door. Yeah. I uh, yeah, but do you love it cinematography? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they You're allowed do, to say yes. They make her look great. <laughs> I think I, I cannot get past the associations with this in TV and movies. And I wonder, because mm. there's a lot of money in it and some of it is on screen somewhere. But there was a big trend in the 90s and early noughties for films, particularly family films, to get made-for-TV sequels. Like, mm. I'm thinking of... Um, I used to be obsessed with the, Den- the American Dennis the Menace movie with Walter Matthau as, as, um, uh, as Mr. Wilson. And there was a made-for-TV sequel with Don Rickles in it, which I used to watch on Sky <laughs> Movies an awful lot over and over again. And there was another one as well that I can't quite remember now. But there were quite a few of the, it, of the films that I used to love as a kid that got... Like, Beethoven had, like, Yeah, straight, like that kind of thing, right, video, exactly, yeah. The Problem Child trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> it was that era, wasn't it, where yeah. Raymond was really doing yeah. well. So I think yeah. they were kind of maybe viewing these things as, yeah, we'll definitely release it in cinema. Yeah, yeah. But ultimately, where we want it to shine is... Yeah. is home video. Uh, which home I imagine video, this so. probably did quite well on home video. I know where to find the figures, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if... They made a decent buck in the end mm. on this. Mm. Thanks yeah, home video. I don't don't have because that that information is virtually impossible yeah, to find really unless to find. they give a quote going. It became a cult classic on DVD. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I, I doubt this one. This this one did get a Blu-ray release though because I I found it on HMV <laughs> online and I thought, huh, I wonder if I oh, know it's not in stock anymore. <laughs> Probably never will be again. But they they be did go Vegas so far fever. as to everyone just buying them all. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine that was just like a direct transfer. Yeah, it has shit. to have been. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I rented it on Amazon and that. It, why why I paid the extra pound for HD, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh... You wanted to see those dinos. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not paying for this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I wonder Entirely if Claire still has her special link. From her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't work there anymore. I did not have no. a special link. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, what I found quite like, maybe slightly more of a kind of as the the kind of uh, human study that we're doing with this uh, podcast and going through it chronologically is thinking of it more as an artifact of mm. the 2000s and yeah. namely the year 2000. And because this is our first film of the century. So Do you think it, they it, thought that Y2K would happen and no one would actually see <laughs> no it? No one would see it. <laughs> They're like, oh, damn, I guess it's it kind been of... <laughs> And there were, like, despite the fact that it is something that is a prequel to a film from six years before, uh, it's based off a TV show in the 60s, there was, there's that kind of air of garishness across the whole thing that I was like, this is this is 2000. We're in yeah. 2000 now. Baby. <laughs> We're in 2000 territory now. <laughs> like the, the dance party. You <laughs> saying there's only six years between the two films just doesn't work in my brain. It's weird, isn't it? Are, so far apart in my brain. Apart. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. completely. 
<laughs> not for me. <laughs> <laughs> they are the same film. <laughs> but it's weird because I, I, similar to you, Daisy, had a childhood connection with this. I owned it and I still do. It's in the attic somewhere in my family home. But I, them clams out. <laughs> it just it feels like it's from a different era than the first one, even though it was only six. And I know when you're that age, when you're like pre ten, mm. years do feel much, much, much longer. Mm. Like six years ago, from here was 2017, which is wild. But back then, it's not a long time. But it does. It's hard to compute, like you say, Claire, that these films mm. were so close together yeah. in their release. Yeah. I just cannot pinpoint what it is about this film that makes it feel so cheap and naff because it does. There's nothing. Do you? I don't know if it was available. Do you know what it was filmed on? Like, was it filmed? I was digital? just about to ask this question. It's is it on is 35 it as simple mil, as that? It was on but, 35 mil. Yeah. Okay. Yikes! Then that makes anything too... look good. So I don't <laughs> know what the hell happened there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Let's see if we can find. But yeah, there's, there's, there is. Oh, it probably oh, is. It's not helped at all by the fact that, that everyone has been replaced with, by and large, TV actors, which does give that yeah, sheen yeah. TV acting, and then the, the, the shooting of it, the, the, the camera shots feel TV. They feel mm. very kind of sitcom I think yeah. the best, yeah. when we did our episode, the best review I read was the one that said, it looks like a porn parody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And it, yeah. does, it does, yeah, they're not wrong. That. Like... <laughs> maybe it's like the lighting and stuff as well. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe it's just like the 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 cine- like the visual style of like he was the influence of the noughties like even though we're literally just started mm-hmm. it feels so much more in that visual language and i feel like 94 they maybe yeah. were still hanging on to the old 80s the 80s got the vibe. end yeah. of one bit yeah. the beginning of another there's, there's something in that because we often talk about the, the difference between the first and second men in black movies and the first mm-hmm. one has that real nice street level visual grit mm-hmm. and grime to it and the second one immediately has that polish that early noughties polish and yeah. this kind of falls mm. into a similar bracket. The first one, mm. I guess, in mm-hmm. its own way, has a bit more of a visual texture to it. Whereas yeah. this is probably probably has that so properifying. You know, when, mm-hmm. when the Hobbit films came out in forty eight frames per second, and everyone said mm. it was like a soap opera. Yeah, I guess this kind yeah. of has a similar sheen. It's, a, it's to the same that. thing. Yeah. As, you can put it down to even just ninety four being there. There's much more of a desire to have puppets, mm. and mm. there's much more of an idea to have it the actual characters and creatures or what have you to scale mm. on set yeah. with the actors yeah. in this even like dino in. cg mm. for mm. like that we do have like a dino puppet that uh mm-hmm. for certain shots but for a lot of it he is cg and a lot of the creatures in this do are a lot more cg and there's a and lot more i just more feel like CG there were less creatures mm. in general yeah less less creatures <laughs> I like the, I like the we spent all the money in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> we spent all the money getting Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> Stephen Baldwin's wig. That's where it all went. <laughs> I was like, oh, Barney's hair's not like that. <laughs> Why did hey, you... don't get don't get me started on Wilma's hair again because I think I spent like twenty minutes of our episode just ranting about that. <laughs> Why do they make? Do they make a Barney... point of it in the film. That's true. They mm. do. Why do they make Barney dumber in this? Because it's not yeah, the point that, like the crucial like, plot huh, point of the so. first is that Barney is much smarter and they get their tests. Well, and that the switched. plot point of the show is that Fred is so arrogant that he thinks mm. Barney's an idiot, and Barney always tells him what to do, and then Fred's like, "Do you know what I'm going to do?" And yeah. it's always what Barney mm. just told him. Like yeah. that is that is the whole point of the show. So yeah, they just completely misunderstood. 
the but, context but, of it, but which who? doesn't make it's sense. It's the same people. Watch your own goddamn movie. Same director. He's a director, and he's like a Flintstones obsessive. So I'm like, how did he let these things? Slide. Something's not right. Something's was he depressed? Was he happy? Maybe he was just. Maybe he was depressed. <laughs> maybe he was depressed. Yeah. <laughs> Y2K anxiety. Look, when I'm depressed at work, I let the little thing slide. Be like Brian. This isn't your best work. What's going on? And in this, in this case, the in little the thing they let review. slide was was uh, was Barney Rubble. <laughs> <laughs> I I would say as well, like this, like (laughs) I wonder if it's just you get to a point in the development of this. The original's a big hit. You're trying to get a sequel off the ground. You're trying to get everyone to come back. No one's coming back. And I, I I think I'm right in saying Spielberg's not credited on this one, but he Mm -hmm. is on the Mm -hmm. original. Mm -hmm. And I think having that kind of sense of custodianship perhaps is missing here as Mm. well. Um, Yeah. that even people at Amblin and like for a bit of added con- on context to the studio at the time, Amblin is at a point where even Spiel- Spielberg doesn't really care what's coming out of the Amblin stable at this juncture because he's wrapped up in DreamWorks and getting that off the ground. And the kind of the films that come out at Amblin, particularly in this early point in the noughties, are either stuff Spielberg directs or kind of like direct follow-ups to stuff mm. they've already done before. So I just think there's maybe just a sense of nobody else behind the scenes really gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> and you feel that. You feel that on the screen. You yeah. feel like pe- people are there to do Don't the work and go home. Don't want to make assumptions, but I feel it. <laughs> That's a good point because yeah. it must have been concurrent with this that because um, American Beauty was DreamWorks' big horse in that Oscar season race. Mm. They didn't realise during early production what it was going to be and Spielberg mm. did. But the, the the book that you and I read it says that Steve, that Spielberg did kind of take Sam Mendes under his wing to a degree and help kind of coach him in in directing a, a feature film. Can he do that again? Because like, his stuff is just <laughs> yikes. But he, that was very much a case of of once they realised what that film was going to be, like you say, all eyes sort of went in that direction yeah. and, and gearing that towards Oscar. Success. We're in a little bit of Amblin as the forgotten child era. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, straight after this, Spielberg, the, the next film we're going to be covering on the podcast is one of Spielberg's best movies. Yeah. I was Again. just looking at that. Yeah. Which one? It's crazy. He was like, Jesus Christ, I need to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which Fine, one? I'll do it myself. AI. Oh, thank God, because I love AI, and yeah. I'm always concerned that, because people really hate that film. Hmm. I'm very pro AI. No hate in here. Pro AI. <laughs> and then Minority Report is a not to spoil our episode. Mm-hmm. A few ones after that. It's one of my favorite Spielbergs too. I think I, I love that dark sci-fi Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's real. A real nice groove. Mm-hmm. Much better than fucking Blue Rock. But then that always <laughs> also makes sense. Where I wouldn't give a shit about this because wasn't AI like his kind of white whale? Yeah, yeah. He would be right so in the middle times. of it. So, yeah, yeah, all in the development, and so yeah, who cares about? A <laughs> he took his eye off the ball. Can yeah. we blame him? No. And they he had bigger fought. fish to fry. What I really needed was an addendum in Fablemans where we saw the Flintstones. <laughs> 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 That's Fablemans 2. Fablemans 1 only goes as far as like 70. Viva Rock Fablemans Vegas. 2, Viva Rock Vegas. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I, I imagine even putting this together, you'd think, oh, first one made a comfortable profit. This even if we don't 
go as hard as we did, it will probably still be okay. I am, mm-hmm. and I guess you put that down to time, not the cast. Yeah. Um, and IP. Kind of box office flop. You know, and, even yeah. back then, IP was still a thing. Yeah. What? Um, yeah. But then again, the year before this, suddenly Star Wars was back in the world. And it's weird to think that they mm. thought, oh yeah, Flintstones sequel prequel thing follow-up mm. is a viable prospect in a world in which Star Wars is back and everything has yeah. changed. But then we got Scooby-Doo the year later and Scooby-Doo was banging. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, the best. It's, yeah I do, it feels like a bit of a movie of spare parts where they just mm. once upon a time someone at Universal and Amblin were like really keen for there to be another one and just mm. as the years kind of went past, past and bits started falling off. I think they lost steam after they lost their whole cast. Yeah. And they were like, <laughs> yeah. what are we to all doing? But yeah. no one, they were like, Daddy Spielberg isn't here to tell us mm. that we can stop. Well, yeah. So I guess we just keep good, going. <laughs> yeah. so, well, someone in finance is going, we paid for the rights. We still yeah. have the rights. We mm. need to do something with these rights that we own. Yeah. That's probably yeah. also oh, someone man. up in an office. I think it was a lack it? of yeah. inspiration. And mm-hmm. self belief mm. after the cast left. <laughs> I feel sorry for the movie now. I, I do. I feel. I do feel quite sorry for particularly the the main four. Yeah, because like they are given a bit. Let's of, okay. Like, let's say some nice things now. Yeah, let's have a couple <laughs> of nice things. Jane Krakowski is really stand charming. Out. Yeah, just yeah. a standout. She can. She when she's on the screen, you want to look at her. Mm. She's given it her. She's a great Betty. Mm-hmm. I think a fruitful Agreed. way of looking at this is to imagine that this this film exists in the world of Thirty Rock, and it's not Jane yeah. Krakowski playing Betty; <laughs> yeah. it's Jenna Maroney yeah. playing Betty. Because <laughs> all the mannerisms are there, all the Maroneyisms yeah. are there in her Betty. Yeah, and I, I, no, it's definitely. definitely not for a lack of energy from anyone. Certainly not. No. Yeah, <laughs> they're really? dialing I, up. I, I, like, I can't remember her name now. I've instantly forgotten it. But Wilma, um, oh, Kristen Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. I feel like she was not giving it any energy. I feel like she was just reading the lines. Like, I think she's the one who feels I, the furthest away from like a kind of base of the characteristics yeah. that either she, from set down before or. She's a good actress. Like mm. I loved her. Fed up on the um, Most recently, she was in the um, Alison Janney and Anna Faris show Mom, and oh, yeah. she came oh, wow. in kind of late later in the show, and she is brilliant in that um like playing a recovering alcoholic and like she's done various films to various degrees of good and bad um but this just it felt really flat from her mm-hmm. and then i i just have complete issues with the portrayal both men gave I yeah just, I, don't, <laughs> I don't really want to touch they make them. choices <laughs> why does mark eddie sound like nathan lane in this movie why do you keep going Ban. Like I get every other line. Ban. <laughs> that, that, that is a thing from the cartoon, but it's not as jarring. Yeah, but he's trying to do it. It's like Junk Up and Junk Up and has that fruity kind of horror thing. But then yeah. Mark Eddie goes for that more nasally. Hey. Spray. Wise guy. Yeah. <laughs> Ban. But what about uh what about Stephen Baldwin? What do we all think about Stephen Baldwin? I think it's, it's a... harsh that he's the one that gets the Razzie nominations. <laughs> See, it's a big yikes for me, but I think my issue with it is the script. Like you said, they just really dumped him down yeah. way too much. Yeah. He didn't have much to work with. No. Mm. And the hair just, he looks so <laughs> gormless. Like, he just, he's saying stupid things. He has stupid hair. Mm. Like, I think he understood the assignment that he was given, to be It's honest. just the wrong assignment. <laughs> Someone gave him the wrong fear. assignment. <laughs> 
reminded me of got the, the uh, switched. Yeah. <laughs> Reminded me a bit of the Dumb and Dumber, yeah, uh, the Dumb and Dumber prequel. Right, uh, so... I think, I think that's on our list as well. I think we yeah, have to cover that surely. at some point. Oh. <laughs> that's a stinker. I, I, I will, oh, I will quickly say, I, I do, I do find Kristen Johnson quite charming in this. Just to yeah. speak See, up. In her I've, I have found her charming in so many other things, but mm. this was not it for me. I'm pretty neutral might... on her on this. I think. <laughs> I think that might be my issue. I'm like, I know she can do better. Yeah, you know she can be yeah. charming. <laughs> I think I was yeah. so as a kid, I was so taken. I thought the new Radicals song, "You Get What You Give," was <laughs> so cool. So when it shows up in this movie for their little love montage, so bizarre. I was so, t- <laughs> I was so taken with no, it. I was like, yeah. I was, I was expecting like, it this time, so I was like, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> well, it started this time, and I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, so it just like dates it so yeah. much. Yeah, still, I mean, still brand R.E.M. Great, great song. Such a good song. Just, such just a good song. such a weird choice. But you're watching it going, ah, this is a 2000s film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's also, for me, it's that there's almost no music for the rest of the movie. It's no. Like, what? Is that one even throw Why does this one random heart have <laughs> yeah. music? They're yeah. just like, do, what do we have the rights to that we haven't used yet? Uh... <laughs> like, we, need a mon- we need a montage. <laughs> we, we, have, we have footage. The film's too short. Let's montage this up. Can we get all star? Can, can we get all star? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's Shrek? Uh, we'll find out next year. Um, Josh, I feel like you're. Decidedly not talking about Mick Jagged. Uh, I hate him. I, hate him so <laughs> I, I hope in the fictional universe he's dead now and that it was painful. Yeah, they're prehistoric I mean, they're, times. They're all dead. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, I, I I hope it was painful. It's very bizarre. It's yeah. very bizarre. Um, not for lack again, not for lack of energy from Alan Cumming. Like, he's doing do what he's being asked to do. Alan Cumming does a good gazoo though. Gazoo as a character has so many issues. Yeah. Alan Cummins' performance is oh, yeah. good stuff. He's doing exactly what is required of it. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I, it I, 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 to build double duty in two pretty thankless roles and still yeah. be bringing the energy that he does, I think, is something to be commended. <laughs> Listen, he's great as Nightcrawler in X Men Two. <laughs> That's all anyone's got to say on the internet. I saw um, a letterbox review that mentioned that um, Mick Jagged was very much, they could tell how much that was of the time post mm. like Austin Powers kind of. Mm. But I've never seen it, so I don't know the reference. I'm sure I have seen Austin Powers, but I do not remember it. Um, When we do our Spy Kids Day, can I make you watch an Austin Powers film with me? I guess. (laughs) I'm I'm fascinated. You heard it here, folks. I I think I only rewatched the second one, but I rewatched it quite recently, and it's really offensive. But it's still exactly. So I'm not going to like it. No, but it's genuinely hilarious. (laughs) But so I'm really interested for you to watch it for the first time in 2023. (laughs) Because I'm a kid of the 90s who grew up with two older brothers. I think sexist jokes are unfortunately quite funny. (laughs) This is where me and you differ. (laughs) I was brought up in a system that wasn't to support me and <laughs> these things happened. And this is how I cope. <laughs> and we got three of them movies to show for it. <laughs> yeah. But it does, I, I had a similar observation as well. It does feel like it's very much in that wake of of the Austin yeah. Powers phenomenon. The sort of horny, yeah. anachronistic Englishman. Mm-hmm. He's doing yeah. a lot of Mike Myersian I think yeah, baby, look- business. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think he was a character in the original cartoon, I believe, when right, I looked okay. it up right, the first right. time. I think he did exist in the cinematic universe. Oh. The timeline would check out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Actually, maybe maybe then it was Mick Jagger actually voicing. Yeah. <laughs> Not funny. Not funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Speaking of songs, though, we'd be remiss to not point or discuss this. So the big climactic reconciliation between um, between Fred and Wilma, following Chip's dastardly plan to break them up and whatever it is that he wants to do, is that he emerges from a huge clam in (laughs) in like a a fluffy get up get up thing, singing a song called "This Isn't Love." Is this a song that anyone's familiar with? Outside of this film, I don't even know if it exists outside of this film. No. I sort of stayed throughout the credits of this, gathering my thoughts, um, <laughs> watching the dance party, finishing off a few, little, <laughs> few little notes, and I happened to look up when the song information was coming on screen at the very, very end of the credits, and beneath "This Isn't Love" were the names Brian Wilson and Tony Asher. Oh. oh, weird. As it goes, <laughs> this is the first song they wrote together since Pet Sounds. How interesting. I don't know how to feel about <laughs> that. <laughs> I do like to look, I do actually like was to look at the songs because I always find there's little yeah, gems I've like just, that I've in I've just there. looked it up and it was written for the film. Is that where the budget went? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It's, I read that, I got that it was written in 1996, but I guess with the production of this film being so stop-start on-off, maybe it was written at some point earlier in there. Um, another weird film. fact for, for you all regarding that song, that the version that Mark Addy sings in the movie is not included on the soundtrack. <laughs> Neither is a version sung by Brian Wilson. It is a version voice... Uh, sung by Alan Cumming in character. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Jacket. That that's that's the version oh. that's in the credits. They play that version after Viva uh, on Vegas in the credits. Right. You know I, what? Yeah, I really like Alan Cumming. I'm glad he got his payday. They're yeah. like, oh, yeah. we Always need another person for this. He's like, I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this. I'll do exactly. it. He's just he a goes all in. He, you want him in a group project. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Brings the energy. The original star said it wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon Mick Jagger's seen this movie? Oh my god. I feel like he must have to sign off on it in some <laughs> capacity. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, I think if it's parody, you don't. Yeah, parody's fine. Mm-hmm. It looks right. very lawless when it comes to parody. As we know, having 10 of them on the bottom 100. Oh, but we've, yeah. we've not done a parody for at least a year and a half, if not two years. We have yeah. to do another one at some point. I know. I know. Um, I guess kind of like a nice point to kind of start rounding this off is uh, we talked a bit about it in uh, the end of the last episode on the Flintstones. And to, to give you an update, Claire, the Bedrock TV series with Elizabeth Banks is apparently still going. Um, it's shift network, but the premier the um, pilot has been picked up, so there there is going to be a future of the Flintstones in some some I way, just, shape, or form. I <laughs> what I really just want to happen is for it to come out enough that then the original series might get picked up by a streamer in the UK, mm. and we might get more merch. Because yeah. the only merch I found <laughs> in the last two years is this T-shirt, which I had to unfortunately buy from Primark. Boo, Primark, but Jay. <laughs> <laughs> and a Flintstones nightdress again, Primark. 
So mm-hmm. I'm like, I just need some like nicer... I need some fresh merch in my life. Where is the licensing? <laughs> Where is the licensing? Where does it live? <laughs> I mean, they did do the Lego set, and I'm really annoyed I didn't get the Lego set. Aww. Like, I'm sure I can get it online, but it's expensive. Lego man, mm. so expensive. It's not cheap. <laughs> it ain't cheap. It's not a. Ch- it's not a toy. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, like, well, how do you kind of feel that, like, I I imagine this will speak a bit more to your feelings for the franchise as a whole but how do you kind of like view this either as a kind of one of the last kind of like statements for Flintstone certainly on the big screen and what <laughs> what do you hope to see for the future of Flintstones be it in tv or film <laughs> I think I probably I don't remember what I said last time but I imagine I'm probably going to say the same thing like for me to be honest I think this is pretty much forgotten in most people's minds unless it's mm. for nostalgia I don't I do still feel like when people talk about Flintstones movies most people go oh the John Goodman one whether they think mm. of it positively or negatively most people assume John Goodman um so I think this is very much like a a night 90s noughties kids only i think outside of mid millennials no one's really thinking about i'd be really film. interested to test that and like yeah. ask yeah. a few people and be like when i say flintstones movie like do you know what do you what, think what's of? your initial yeah. you reaction this thread or this yeah. thread yeah. <laughs> even the cartoon as well because i remember yeah. watching the cartoon on bbc2 when i was little where was i think I most think... people would have more association with the cartoon which is yeah. really interesting given the time period it's from yeah. yeah but bbc2 we only had a few channels like bbc2 yeah. did show it a lot in the summer holidays um oh boomerang I... that's why I, mean, I used to watch it uh, <laughs> boomerang was cool um I think for me, like the future of the franchise, like I said, I'm a bit disappointed that the Seth MacFarlane Flintstones didn't go ahead because I know how much he loves it as a as a concept and a show, um, and he has a lot of care for those characters. And I'm a if big... the what didn't go ahead, sorry. Seth MacFarlane was meant to be doing a reboot of it. He oh, had the rights for a very true. long time. Mm, um, and I I love Family Guy. I love American Dad. I love the Orville. He's a massive Trekkie yeah. fan and he made a parody of Star Trek that then he turned into a genuine, real, serious show that's just actually <laughs> brilliant. So I would have loved to have seen what he would have done with the Flintstones. Um, but Elizabeth Banks, you know, I liked Cocaine Bear, so I'm, I'm okay with her giving it a go. Pitch Perfect 2 and 3, get fucked. But <laughs> so, you know, I've not seen Charlie's Angels, so I'll have to, that'll be my, my deciding. Pretty bland um, land. <laughs> I do, my hope for the franchise is just that I can get the original series on streaming. some way. Some of yeah. the TV movies on streaming. And that I can buy some merch. That's that's all I want. <laughs> it's not much. I'm not asking for much. She just wants a t-shirt. I already have a t-shirt. Some other stuff. A mug. I don't know. Ah, a handbag. Something. A nice lounge fly handbag. Oh, there we go. Okay. So yeah. you are asking for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Lounge fly I've done about every other. It's true. Pop culture. And they all look great. Point. So come on. <laughs> and how about yourself, Daisy? Where... Where would you like to see the future of the Flintstones? I I just when I hear franchise or IP now, I just mm. get hives. <laughs> I just I'm so sick of it. <laughs> I'm so my boyfriend went, Do you wanna watch Ahsoka? And I was like, like fuck do I yeah. want to watch Ahsoka? Like I'm so done. And done. we both fell asleep within twenty minutes. I'm like, I'm just I can't it's anymore. I've reached my limit. I've reached my limit with because it's all just like I feel like 
it's just regurgitation now. Like, and I and some things are brilliant. Some things stick landing. I can't name things off the top of my head right now because my memory is terrible. It's because hmm? it's been a while. Mm. Like, I do think of the last few years, I'm starting to feel like a pig, and they're just shoving uh-huh. this shit in the yeah. chest. Yeah, because it's the same. It's just Stop. yeah. So um, yeah. So I'd quite like a break. <laughs> um, and then maybe once I've had a break, I'd be interested. Yeah. If it, if it was anything, if it's Vegas, yeah, anything first. like this, <laughs> yeah, anything like this, I'd be interested in. Um, because it's got like some, there is some nostalgic links, but I just think it's built on a, on a foundation of something that's really classic, really well beloved. Um, and if and, and the main thing for me is if it's in the hands of a fan, mm. I think that is where things can really work. Um, but at the moment, I don't just want things to be made for the sake of it because they think, yeah, it's just it's just too much. I've, I've had enough. Yeah. <laughs> Very fair answer. <laughs> Yourself, Joshua Glenn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired of I'm it all. Tired. It's all. <laughs> it's Would all you have liked slop, the... Like you say, I'm not a pig. I just give you something <laughs> challenging and new. Would you have liked the Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe to have kicked off as it was meant to in Scoob? Do you feel like that's missing from your life? You don't want to know my thoughts on Hanna-Barbera. <laughs> so I'm not going to vocalise them. Please, yeah, that, thanks, because we're kind of friends. <laughs> I will say... Shocked. Shocked and appalled. I quite like the Scooby-Doo movies. Quite do you... like... No, this is... That's going to be nice! Okay, I'm going to mute like... myself. Oh, the, the animated Jetsons movie is such a little charming character. I used to like uh, Inch High Private Eye because I was I really liked. Remember that little teeny yeah, tiny that Private that Eye? That wasn't one of my ones. Yeah. But I liked uh, <laughs> tiny. Wait, ha- I like. Did Trinkle. you not like Wacky Wacky Races? I did. I like Dick yeah. Dastardly and Muttley. I like all their antics. I like the Catch the Pigeon. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. okay. Cool. We're, we're back. back. We're yeah, we did it. Back. Still good. We got there. Didn't take long. We knew it. No one that was not a child between 1996 uh-huh. and 2004 that did not watch Wacky Races and Catch the Pigeon before going to school. Yes, you can almost taste the sugary cereal milk in your yeah. mouth. Oh you my god, don't. <laughs> I can feel like I've just been ratatouille'd and I've just <laughs> gone. I always had to leave for school before the yeah. race ended, so I never knew who won. <laughs> oh man. Take me back. Take me back. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I agree with Daisy. Stop. Not everything's just content. Stop. Just stop. Yeah. There was, a, a, I think, was it a fucking Zaslov early saying, we haven't done anything with the Harry Potter oh. or Lord of the Rings IPs. Oh, yeah. Just the fucking stories have been and told. And also, they have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. It's just there's lies. You've had, a, you've had a whole second franchise, like literally two years ago. <laughs> this <laughs> man... It, he needs his this memory man. checked. Like, well, he just... <laughs> he just like, <laughs> yeah. This man also agrees the Fantastic Beasts films were shit and it's just going to pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, great. that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah whatever. Uh, what about that Harry Potter? We haven't uh, much about <laughs> Where's that boy with the Imagine <laughs> saying that out loud and not laughing at yourself. Like... And then, you know, the, the record-breaking West End show is just there like... Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's your checks, <laughs> like I just dusted off these old boxes of licenses and I've come across this 
this boy named ha- Harry ha- Potter. Harry Potter? <laughs> um, yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? The boy who apparently like lived. That, but, yeah. <laughs> There's something in this. Does he still live? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Tune in to the 10 film series to find out. The 10 episode limited series in which God nothing would happen. It. And, you and they'd be the five spin off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, my two cents, I guess I'll watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> but so even me, I'm like, I'll watch the show. But the yeah. Oh, I'm going to watch I'll give it a go. everything I've just slagged off. <laughs> 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 I want a new Flintstones show is that I can get the old Flintstones back. That's the only thing I care about. I'm like, please keep remaking or rebooting shit things of things I loved because it means you'll put the original shit in accessible places. Yeah. It may annoy me, but I like to have an opinion. <laughs> oh my god, you just completely summarised my whole personality. Yeah. <laughs> with you there, buddy. With you there. I, I, I used to I be, like, be involved. Uh, I recently stopped, and honest to God, you feel so it's much so better when you do. It's so I don't. What's need... it like on the other I'll side? Oh, oh, I don't need to see Quantumania. Huh. It's oh, great. see, I'll like, never be able to I... take that back. Yeah, I... there was a fork in the road, and you took the right yeah. one. Yeah, it took me a while to get there, but it, I just made a choice. And uh... all, all I do now is watch media from ten years ago. Like <laughs> yeah. this year, I watched all of Bates Motel. Yeah, at Christmas, I watched all of those. <laughs> I'm currently rewatching the 2004 episodes of ER, and I'm binge watching all of Neighbours from the 2010s, nice. and it's wonderful yeah. because it's just for me, and it's comforting, and I know where it's going. And I don't have to have an opinion, and I don't have to read twenty articles and seven YouTube videos. And it's fine. Yep. it's nice. <laughs> I didn't watch Secret Invasion, so that's growth for me. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I watched two episodes of that. And I went to an advanced press screen of it, and what I will say is the cocktails they gave us beforehand were mm. damn good. Mm. Well, never, you know why that is that. because because <laughs> the shit. show was not. <laughs> yeah. you usually balance the quality of the booze. Yeah, <laughs> they're like we really need to give them the good shit this time. It, it really was. It was very good shit. <laughs> this is, I kid you not. They are conversations PRs have. Yes, yeah, 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 trust yeah. me. Right, Chip's good though. I like Chip Rockefeller. He was good. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when he. I like it when he turns really the big switch me. from win to lose. I genuinely don't know if that's a bit or you did like it and it's bending me either way. I don't know, Claire. I need some blood. (laughs) (laughs) Universal Pictures invites you to cruise with the gang from Bedrock. Waka waka wee! As they see the sights. Place your bet, Bones. Take in the fights. And do Rock Vegas like it's never, ever been done before. Could you get between my shoulder blades? That's where I carry all my tension. She's tense. I just found out what calamari means. <laughs> the Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas.
And on that note, I think we can wrap, wrap up our discussion on the Flintstones of Viva Rock Vegas there. Uh, we did put out the feelers for um, some comments on the film. We didn't get any. No I, but I did pick out some, as I want to do in such situations, I picked out some of my favourite uh, reviews that I spotted on Letterboxd. Um, user Simon Abraham said, it is very much what it is. <laughs> <laughs> User Ben M said, The Godfather Part 3 of the Flintstone Cinematic Canon. One star. <laughs> <laughs> While Corm- user Cormac said, Could have been hornier. One star. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> then it really would have been a porn parody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. But thank you very much, guys, for coming back on on board the the good ship rambling to chat about Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas. I'm sure you didn't think you were going to have to discuss this film in length ever <laughs> again after your your own original uh, flagship episode. But we very much appreciate you taking the time to come back and open up. <laughs> it's Rock our Vegas pleasure. <laughs> in quotation marks. No, it's been so much fun. Thank you guys for having us. <laughs> It's very, very nice to have you guys back. Mm-hmm. I know. Right. We're very bad at doing appearances together, so you, you yeah. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, where, if the listeners aren't too familiar with uh, your show, where where can they find you and all uh, on your socials? And yeah, where can they listen to your your healthy back catalogue of uh, <laughs> a, a number of the worst rated movies of all time? <laughs> Yeah, we're still wading through those. Um, so on Twitter, we are, yes, I'm still calling it Twitter. Yeah, um, we are um, at W Rated Pod, and I believe we are just at, uh, we're just W Rated on Letterboxd and Instagram. Um, and then, yeah, you can listen any, anywhere you get podcasts. We've, you know, we've got, got the system working, so it should <laughs> pump it out to anywhere. Um, but obviously, the usual Spotify, Apple, um, et cetera. Um, so yes, I think in, I don't know when this will be released, but, um, we've just, as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, we, um, just finished, uh, what is it? What is it? You called it, Claire? Uve Bolanza. Summer. <laughs> Uve Bolanza like Summer. Yeah. So make sure you like check out. Bonanza. Yeah. Bonanza. <laughs> um, make sure you check out those. We also covered the Razzies this year as we've been doing every year since we started. But other than and that, you can... Nominated for an award for those. Oh episodes. yeah! Hey. Um, Congratulations! So we are now the uh, the award nominated. <laughs> Luckily, what we've been nominated for is good. <laughs> um, but you know, you know, being nominated for something bad, you know, given the context, could be a badge of honour. So. Um, but no, otherwise, you can find us. You know, working our way through that bottom one hundred, bringing on guests finding out why this film has been voted one of the worst mm-hmm. of all. Um, we're starting to see some patterns, aren't we, Claire? So it'll be interesting <laughs> yeah. to summarise when we eventually get there um, of why the most pattern, of them have made it there. Does the pattern largely fall in between the years 2000 and 2009? I have, I have that a funny was feeling. When, <laughs> when we started doing it, it was actually the 2010s that had the most right, okay. things, but I think that's recency bias and IMDb mm. existing. 
Um, but yeah. almost, I think over 50% of the films in the list are post-2000. Wow. <laughs> we'll have and to I get did, the, de- we'll have to do a big data dive at the end to yeah. I did, uh, I did clock, I did make sure to check before, ahead of this episode to see if, because uh, I know the, the list fluctuates, and so I did mm. double mm. back to see if Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas is still in there. So when we did our episode back at the start of 2020, or the end, sorry, the end of 2020 and the start of 21, it was 83 it is now at 100. <laughs> oh, oh, it's teetering on the end. Yeah. Oh, nice Will it be knocked off? We'll have to keep an eye out. <laughs> the spot 100 seems to often circle the same like five or six films. Like anytime you look at it, it will be a different one. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, we're doing, again, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but the next up for us, we've got a couple of spooky ones. We're going to be doing the Nicolas Cage Wicker Man. Oh, the, very good. Um, <laughs> already edited, so it's definitely releasing. Um, <laughs> and then we will be releasing an episode on the Slender Man film that mm. we recorded 18 months ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just <Come> looking. <laughs> um, Andrew, I've actually got you down. Oh shit! For Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> ah, so. yes. Can I come on? This, can I come on as well? I think we should do. I think we should do a. Is this a crossover episode? <laughs> I think we yes. should do it. I'm sure. Um, oh, these poor, you you poor people that have requested these things years and years ago, and I've basically done this this methodology that I stand by, which is I'm prioritizing ones that are available on streaming because I just right. can't warrant spending money <laughs> on I have these a copy things. of Dumb and Dumber on DVD <laughs> well, there we go. I, do, Me too. I do greatly enjoy finding copies of the ones that aren't streaming in CEX yeah. and watching the, yeah. the look of the server's eyes <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> this I'm pretty sure we asked so, yeah. you if we could be on Dumb and Dumber way back when we did Gremlins. Oh, yeah. These <laughs> these people probably don't, aren't even on Twitter. Some of these people aren't even on Twitter anymore. <laughs> I can find some of them. We do reach out to people and they're like, I don't know who you are. We're like, no problem. See you later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Never big mind. apologies. Big apologies. We've had one of our actual close friends has been wanting to do one for ages. And I just it's, it wasn't part of my system. <laughs> and he didn't understand and it's quite right because my system doesn't really make sense to people um and he's finally getting his his time so um time yeah but yeah count us in for dumb and dumber oh. we'll be bells on. <laughs> go into that we'll add it to the spy kids day yeah. it'll be great <laughs> Spike is Austin Powers Dumb and Dumber Day. We're going to lose our I minds. Think <laughs> I, I, let nobody give blood. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's all give blood beforehand. Oh, I'm not allowed blood to give drunk. blood. Blood drunk. They're too small. I'm not allowed. They just, just have loads of sugar. No, yeah, I'll have loads of sugar. They yeah. just send me home. They're like, you're of no use to us. Love it. Oh, but Great. thank you Can't for that. I'm glad, I'm glad we could sort that out. Once. Yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely look forward to that, and dear listeners, do go back and check out all all the the previous catalogue of W rated in the in the meantime. Uh, one film that I'm pretty confident in saying is not in the uh, bottom 100 on IMDb is what our next episode will be on, as that is checking back in with the founding father himself, uh, <coughs> Spill Rock, uh, with 2000 2001 sci-fi drama AI artificial intelligence. Such. Um, 
<laughs> You'll be glad to know, Daisy, that this fits your system because it is available to stream for those of you that have a Paramount Plus subscription. <laughs> Doesn't fit my system. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can give you my brother's login. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Um, otherwise, if you don't have it uh, to hand on disc or don't have uh, Paramount Plus, uh, you can rent or buy it digitally from Amazon, Apple, BFI Player, Google, Microsoft, Rakuten TV, Sky Store, and YouTube. Uh, and that's my bit. What do I say? Um, if you've <laughs> seen it and have thoughts, tweet us at Ramblin' Amblin or email us at ramblinaboutamblin at gmail.com and like and subscribe and review and rate and everything. And all that stuff. Please, very much. <laughs> it does help us all. And uh, thank you once again, guys, for joining us. Uh, we hope you had a lovely time revisiting Viva Rock Vegas. And thank you all for listening. We look forward to seeing you again um, back, back when our next episode of AI. Until then, take care and happy watching.